series, and we've been talking about seeking God and what it means to seek God. And uh, we jumped off there with the wise men and looked that they came and initially that they sought to worship him. And today we're looking at seeking God first. We're moving into the first of the year. We're, we're setting up and we, this is a time where we do a lot of reflecting. We kind of look back on the year with, uh, with my family when we all get together at Christmas and we're opening our Christmas gifts before we tear into all of the blessings that we have piled up around us. Then we go around and we talk about what we're thankful for. It's something I've, we've done in my family since I was a kid. I've carried it over into to my personal family, my, my immediate children. And then when we all get together at my parents' house, we do that. And it's a great time to reflect. It's just natural at the end of the year. What's this year been about? What's, what's we've done? What, what's gone on? But then we also were walking into the new year. And so hopefully you haven't got tired of looking to the new year with a little bit of expectation. Hopefully you're, you're ready and excited about a new and a fresh year. And when we look at that, then with the first of the year just days away, we need to be sure that our planning and our reflecting are both framed by seeking God's kingdom first. We have to make sure that our planning, looking forward, and our reflecting Looking at what's happened in our lives are wrapped around seeking God's kingdom first. Now, of course, we were just celebrating Christmas time, and we understand that Jesus was born in a, was born in a stable, was born in and laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was just no there was no place for them. Well, there's a a speaker whose name is Zig Ziglar, and he tells a story about his. Uh, uh, brother-in-law who was a traveling salesman this traveling salesman goes into this particular town and did not have reservations at this hotel there were all sorts of conventions and the hotels were just packed they were just jammed so he goes up and rings the bell and says he needs a room and they tell him look we're full we're totally full there is no room in the inn where there's not a place here for you and so and he turns to the manager and says well look you know if the if the president of the United States was to show up, you know, well, then you would, you would, there would be a room for him, wouldn't there? Well, well sure, there'd be, a, there'd be a room for the president of the United States, you know, if he, if he showed up. He goes, well, I know for a fact he's not coming today. I'll take his room. <laughs> but see, how we frame, how we look at the situation, the dynamics and, and the, 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 the situation can so many times begin to adjust how we perceive, and it's going, to, it's going to shift the outcome. How we frame the situation, what the circumstances are, how we put pieces together are going to shift the outcome. We just did some uh, barbecuing. My, my, I was so wanting. I grew up on mesquite wood barbecue. And that's the way I did. My wife, she doesn't like it like I do. So we just use propane. It's fast, it's easy, it works. And, uh, but man, I wanted some mesquite cooked grilled barbecue and so my dad had some mesquite and we fired it up well there's a time that i wanted to do some some grilling myself and i used um you know you have the little charcoal and charcoal lighter fluid and stuff so and you put the charcoal lighter fluid on there and let it soak and fire it up and you get you a good fire well i had everything ready it was time to go we had the meat and it was time to fire up the pit and I go, and my little white squeezy bottle is empty. I don't have any fluid. Well, we'd been doing some remodeling around the house, and I had some paint thinner. 
And I was like, you know, all it's you know, it's you know, it's a liquid. It burns good, you know, you know, it's clearish, you know. I'll put this stuff on there. It'll all burn off, and all will be well. And uh, so uh, we light everything up and fired up. And man, I tell you what, that charcoal lit. And it burned, and it turned into a good set of coals. And it came time to put all of our chicken and our meat on there. And man, I tell you what, those were the nastiest burgers we have ever had. They tasted like paint thinner. That stuff didn't burn away. It just like we marinated in the stuff. I mean, it couldn't have. It was horrible. But you know, but because the, the things, the ingredients that you put in matter. You can't just substitute here and there just because of whatever's easy, just because you're trying to shortcut. And walking into the first of the year, so many times trying to do it our own way feels a little easier than maybe the discomfort of doing it God's way. Especially if it's an area we haven't fully released to God yet, and we're still growing in that. And it feels funny at first. And we just can so easily resort back to doing it our way. But we've got to make sure that we do it God's way first. It makes a difference. It makes a huge, huge difference. Matthew 6, 25 through 33 says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. See, God cares about us, what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear and where we're going to live. He cares about all of those issues. He, he, He wants to bless us in those areas. He wants to provide and take care of us. But we have to make sure that we're thinking, bringing his kingdom first, that we're thinking about his kingdom, and then he, we, we, we release him to worry about our little kingdoms, our little areas, our little pieces of our lives. And he makes sure that there is no lack in that. But we start putting us first, and we take God out of the picture. We have to make sure that as we're doing this, we keep God first. Psalms 127, 1 through 2. This was a passage of scripture that was rumbling around in me a year ago before we completely decided we were going to launch this thing. And as we were talking about pushing forward to to start a new church and start something fresh in, in in this city, then this was just rumbling around in my heart. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard. They're doing their best, but it's in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now there are things, we have a responsibility. Don't get me wrong, there are things we are, we, we have a responsibility to be good stewards But if we're not letting God build it, if we're not letting God structure our lives, it's pointless. It's in vain. But then when we begin to take God's pieces and what he says to put first, first, all of a sudden the things begin to work and to be structured and fall together. See, seeking God's way of doing things, that's his kingdom, and what he says is right, that's his righteousness, it frees us from worry. It frees us from worry. And man, worry can just ah, grip our hearts and stifle our lives. 
Now, I'm not one that just naturally battles worry. Um, I'm overly optimistic. I'm a Pollyanna by nature. Everything's going to be great. Um, and so, but there are times that things will, things will get out of balance, man, and I'll really get to being concerned about something and really worrying about something. But I know there are other people who are wired opposite of me. And that, man, everything, worry just strangles our lives. And we cannot let it happen. You know, it's a, a dense fog. A dense fog, seven blocks by seven blocks by 100 feet deep. The water contained in that dense fog is about as much as a tall glass of water. There's really not much substance there, but it'll shut down everything inside that seven block by seven block thing. You have that turned into 60 billion little pieces of water hanging around in the air. See, so many times our worries are something that's really not that big of a thing, and they just get magnified and begin to shut us down where we can't operate and we can't move. We can't see where we're going. It, it stifles our lives. And we have to make sure that that doesn't happen in our lives. There was a story about the, uh, this lady who was just, man, she was just so afraid of burglars. She was just always concerned about burglars. And she would go to bed at night and she'd make her husband double check all the windows and double check all the locks. And, and she was just really concerned about burglars. And one night she had, <clears throat> she had uh, heard a noise and woke her husband up. And she said, I heard a noise downstairs. I heard a noise downstairs. You need to go downstairs. So he goes downstairs and flips on the light. Sure enough, there's a burglar. And he looks at the burglar and says, he says, sir, I need you to go upstairs and meet my wife. She's been expecting you for 10 years. <laughs> and so, but it can't be that way where you can just get yourself tied up in knots for these, all this period of time and just be worried and concerned about these different things. Matthew 6.34, right on the heels of 6.33. Jesus, it's funny how they come that way. 34 after 33. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own most people are familiar with the story of uh <clears throat> king leonidas and his 300 and uh charles spurgeon used to use the story years ago the prince of preachers talking about worry and uh, of course the the king leonidas was having to, to battle against uh, King Xerxes and his Persian army and was incredibly outnumbered. And, and Charles Spurgeon would say, you know what? Those brave, incredibly trained soldiers, they could have just gone out and just attacked them on the flats. They could have attacked the, that army, that Persian army on the flats and just fought like lions and, if, and just perished quickly and just gone out valiantly. But instead... Their strategy was to carry things and through a narrow pass so that they could handle those things, their enemies, one at a time and deal with them one at a time. That's what God is talking to us about here, there in Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't get wrapped up about tomorrow. Today has enough issues of its own. I know when my feet hit the ground every morning, I've got enough stuff to deal with that day. 
Every morning when my eyes pop open, I've got enough to deal with that day that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Now, does that mean you don't plan? Oh, sure you plan. Does that mean you don't have a calendar and set things on the calendar? Sure you do. But you don't get wound up about it. You don't get uptight about it. You don't waste today fretting about tomorrow. There was a lady that had a quote. She said that she'd had lots and lots of trouble in her life, most of which never happened. It was because she was so concerned. She was so wound up in worry. And God has not called us to live like that. King Leonidas was able, they were to deal and, and hold off as long as they were because they were forced them to deal with them one at a time in small groups. God has called us to live huge, expansive, wonderful lives. There are wonderful things God has for each of us. And we don't have to worry about all that stuff. Just deal with today. God's given us the grace for the day. Tomorrow's grace isn't there yet. We haven't entered it. So you start trying to handle that, and you're not going to have that grace. But you walk in today, you got today's grace. And it's there. Let's live in that. That's where the victory is, is handling today right. Luke 10, 41 through 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Man, she was so wound up. She was serving and working around behind the scenes. Jesus was there, and they had had all of his disciples, and people needed to eat, and things needed to be cleaned, and all of that different stuff. And man, her sister Mary was just sitting there neglecting the chores and just listening to Jesus. Sometimes that is the better thing. Does that mean we let our yards grow up and never mow them because we're just listening to preaching tapes all day? No. Guess what? These are awesome MP3 players. You can stick it in your ears and mow your grass while you're listening. <laughs> there are things you still do, but it's that, it's that we have to make time to choose the better part. That's the focus is choose the better part. Don't be worried and anxious about so many things. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's amazing how when we really pray, we really present those things to God. It's not just... Asking God to do something about that, present, that's that giving that thing over. Then when it's in his hands, then God's peace comes and rests on us. And a lot of times, that's a good way to judge whether or not you really turned it over to God. Do you still get anxious about it? Well, you're still hanging on to it. When we've really turned it over to God, we've really presented it to him, then God's peace will begin to flood our hearts. Does that mean that we still don't not making sure that we do what we need to do on that? Absolutely. Does that mean we still stay diligent in the parts we have to play? Absolutely. But we present it to God. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. See, Hudson Taylor, the awesome missionary to China and founder of the Overseas Missionary <coughs> Fellowship, had some really, really good advice. He said, let's give our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all, right into God's hand. 
And then when we've given all over to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. Once we've pulled it into his hands. Once we begin to trust him. And that's why we as a church, our core purpose, you boil all of it down. And we exist for one reason. That's help people to know God better and to trust him more. Because when you begin to understand and know the character of God and who he is, it becomes so much easier to trust him. Because he is trustworthy. He is loving. He is patient with us. He is all of those things that we need. See, the thing is, it really begins to be so easy for our excuses to try to come first. We like to put those in. I know I do. I'm good at excuses. And just calm real easy. Just some, and I'm, then I'm, I'm good at convincing myself that my excuses are valid and legit. I just defend my excuses to the death. But it's so easy for that to come. See Luke 9, 59. He said, uh, Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. See, in seeking God first and seeking his kingdom first, we can't have our own set of firsts. We can't have our own little set of things that we want to do first. Well, I'll really begin to seek God once I deal with this. Well, first I want to do this. Well, first I want to go and do this and, and all of these things, and then I'll really begin to turn my life over to God. No. We can't put our firsts in front of the first of seeking him first. Luke 9.61 says, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. He's made that decision. I will follow you. And then here it comes. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. These sound like good, these sound like good legitimate things. Around here, man, family's a big deal. Honoring parents is a big deal. But ultimately, the Bible says that we have to put God at that number one place. We can't let our kids get in that place. We can't let our spouses get in that place. We have to keep God in that number one place in our lives. And we have to allow God's word to define the category of first. And when we do that, it helps us to correctly align our lives. We let God define what comes first, and then we align ourselves to that. We put ourselves into what that category, true category, of first should be. Growing up, we uh, did a lot of camping, and that was, our, that was our fun. I still love camping to this day. And uh, we had that boat I told you all about that my dad would do the, the over-the-top thing, turn his hat around and let the hammer down and try to drown us behind the boat. And uh, so mo that's mostly what we did. But every once in a while, we would do some fishing. And we were out on Inks Lake one time. And it was just rainy, rainy, rainy. And we couldn't be out letting my dad drag us around and try to throw us all over the lake. And so they, we went and got some cane poles because we didn't have any fishing equipment because we were going to ski. And went to the, got some cane poles and some worms. And we were fishing. Well, I'm the oldest... And I have two younger sisters. 
So I'm the one that's supposed to be good at catching fish. I mean, I'm the, I'm the, the boy, and I'm supposed to be catching these fish. And so we're just fishing off the banks, and we would have our little cane poles and our corks and our little little worms, and we would sit there and drop our little worm in the in the water. And uh, man, you know, first one of my sisters sit there and sits there and boom pulls up this little perch, and both of them would sit there. Heather and Ginger both would sit there and go, "Daddy, daddy, I caught a fish! I caught a fish!" They wouldn't put a worm on there. They wouldn't take the fish off. My dad had to do all the work. I was I had to do both of mine for myself. And they'd sit there, and, and they would sit there and just over and over again. And so, I mean, they caught dozens and dozens of fish. And, man, I got so sick of hearing, Daddy, Daddy, I caught a fish, I caught a fish. So while they would leave and they'd go to my dad, I'd take their spot. I'd stick my pole where they'd been fishing. And I'd sit there and go, and then they would go and drop their deal over there right where I'd been fishing, and boom, catch a fish. I mean, just immediately. And go, Daddy, Daddy, I caught a fish, I caught a fish. I went beating him with that cane pole. It was just ridiculous. Then my sister caught, my ginger caught so many fish, she got tired of it and let my mom come and fish. So my mom comes and catches a dozen just really fast. Boom, boom, boom. That whole time, I caught a total of six fish. That was it. Heather caught multiple dozen. Ginger caught like 70-something fish. It was just yanking fish out. They just had these little wash tubs full of these fish and so finally we got to looking at what the deal was and it was just there was just this huge problem like man what is the deal and we got to comparing and finally my dad was like well let's let's see what's the difference between these poles well ginger and heather's pole their bobber was set to about two and a half feet deep mine was set about four and a half feet deep the only time I ever caught a fish was when I was going down or coming up through where the fish were. Most of the time, my worm was down under there never getting any action. They never saw it. I was down there on the bottom. I was probably laying in the dirt or something. And so they were finally, when we began to realize where the results were, then I was able to make my alignment, make my adjustment, and then I was able to catch fish, and then it was over. And we were done. We had to clean them and cook them, and it was awesome. But once we begin to recognize where the results are, and God's word has been given to us so that we know how to live correctly. He's been given, it's given to us. He's given us the cheat codes. He's taught us how to live correctly. And when we begin to understand where the results are, then we can make an alignment. And you say, well, you know what? This person over here, I'm just going to go over here and stand where they're doing. They've had a great life. Well, you're not aligned with the word, so you can go and do everything that they're doing. But if you're not aligned with the, with the part of the word, you're not going to get those results. You can't just shadow somebody who's successful. You have to walk in the one who designed us to be successful. God's word, it shows us how to live the way we're called to live. God showed, God's wired us that way. So when we look at this, we're going to quickly run through these things that's of what are firsts what are some of these key firsts the word gives us in seeking god's kingdom first the first is the, the number one is loving god matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 38 jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment Nothing else can get above this. Nothing else can get in the way of this. This is the numero uno. This is the big one. It must come from a place of loving God. 
See, that is one of the beauties, beautiful things of Jesus. Jesus came and dealt with sin. So now we're not having to abide by all of these things to avoid getting whacked with death. Now we are free to love God and do what he's called us to do and, and, and live in his precepts simply because we love him and know he loves us. Not because we're afraid of getting sent to hell. Jesus dealt with that for us. We're freed from all of the law part and now we can, the law is still true. It's still wise. But now we can do it out of love. Not out of fear. We've been set free. The next one we see is being right with others. Matthew twenty two thirty nine through 40 says, And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Man, if we're hateful towards others, we can try to do all these other things right, shore up all these other things. But man, that, those issues, we don't love God and we don't love our neighbor, everything else is going to crumble. Everything else is going to be hollow and empty. I mean, all of a sudden, we begin to put those things in alignment. Man, things become so alive and begin to work in our lives. Matthew 5, 24 says, leave your gift in the front of the altar. Leave it there and first go and reconcile to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, giving is a, is a crucial part. Our tithes and our offerings and all, that is not just what happens to, to keep, the, keep our, our ministry happening. It's important, but it's part of our worship. And man, God said, all right, you take that check and you just leave it in that checkbook. Don't even tear it out. As vital and as live and as important as that is and part of your giving and, and, and being different than the world, living a non-selfish life, stop that. And if you've got issues with somebody... You fix that first. Because there's an order. And you get, your, get those relationships dealt with. And then come back and joyfully pull out that check or that cash and say, here, God, thank you, God, for the freedom I have to love you and to give and to support your work. But first, first, we keep things right. The next one is, is being focused on the inside being fixed. Religion does all these little stuff. It's window dressing. It hangs all this stuff on the outside. Man's efforts just kind of tries to, to fix things up. We watched a bunch of Mythbusters. Anybody like Mythbusters? It's one of my favorite shows ever. It had a marathon. It was awesome. They had one of them about polishing a poop. Trying to polish poop. See if you could actually bring a nice shine to poop to animal dung they went to the zoo and got a bunch of different kinds and uh it was interesting and uh anyways and so and so they were, they were sitting there and, and trying to trying to clean it all up and, and shine it all up and try to take this you know and finally they got one kind that they made it look pretty neat like you know maybe even if one a piece of jewelry or something out of it i don't know but the problem was no matter how shiny or how good you got it it was still poop you broke it open, it was still a mess. See, that's the thing is God does not do just this outside window dressing and just polish up the junk of our lives. 
It's about changing us and transforming us from the inside out. It's taking the junk and getting rid of it and bringing a new life. We are a new creation. It's shifting us from the inside out. Matthew 23, 26 says, Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean too. You know, None of us want to have this nice little pretty porcelain cup on the outside and go and see that who knows what it's been used for on the end. We don't, we don't want to use that. What matters is the inside. And that's what is so awesome about, our, about God is God comes to change us from the inside out. And that's why you and I have to be so loving and so patient with each other because the inside stuff we can't see. So I have to believe that as you purpose to move forward with God, there's stuff going on on the inside, and one day it's going to show up on the outside. But that's why I just have to love you, because I don't know what God's doing on the inside of you. And so we let God work on the inside and let it come out. Then we have to count the cost. Luke 14, 31 through 33. says, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down? And consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he's not able, then he's going to send a delegation while the other's still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything cannot meet my disciple. We have to understand the costs involved. We have to understand what's taken on us. We're looking forward into everything that, that this next year has for us. We have to take a... It's one thing to sit down and have these lofty goals. That's why I'm so thankful to the other guys that are on our church board with me. Because, man, I can sit there and go, well, I want to do this. And then they go, whoo, what's that going to take, Brandon? Cool, if that's what God... But what's this going to take? What's this really going to look like? Okay, well, let's pray and let's seek God. All right. This is what we're really believing God wants to do. And when you really look, you really count the cost, and you really understand it, man, a lot of times it is real faith. And you're like, whoa, it's going to take more than I thought. It's going to take this and that. And then, but you really begin to understand the mechanisms and what's going on in there. As you're looking forward, and, and looking forward to 2010, we put God first. We put our relationships right. We make sure that God is working on the inside and then we count the cost for the things that we're believing God for. What it's going to take. And then ultimately, to really move forward with God, there's going to be this release of everything. Of putting everything in God's hands. And God has allowed us to open our hands one finger at a time and moving forward with Him. See, I'm praying... That in this next year, that there's going to be some real maturity and some real growth. That it's going to be a wonderful year of firsts for all of us. And that ultimately, we're going to get to know God better. And we're going to trust Him more. That's what I believe in God for 2010. It's going to show up a little different in all of our lives, but that's what I am looking forward to. We're wrapping things up and... In the first of, in the first of this next year, you'll be receiving some emails from me and some stuff about that. On, uh, but coming in to this next year, I want us as a church to begin to set aside January 
and set that aside to seek God first as a church. When this church was, when we were established this last January, we spent this time of prayer and fasting together. Now, I'm not asking you to go without food for the month of January. When we talk about fasting, I'm saying, ask God, God, show me what I need to do to to take something out of my normal routine, out of my normal life, to give that up and to put more of you and more time with you in my life. Some of you may be your, your favorite show every week. Some of you may be an extra, getting up an extra hour to spend time with God and giving up some sleep. Some of you it may be praying through lunches every day. Some of you it may be something else, I don't know. But I want to encourage you to do something different to really seek God in this next month in January. We're going to have an awesome time together on January 31st is a Sunday. We've already got it reserved for to have a Sunday night celebration together to close this January month out. I'm excited about what God's going to be doing in our lives. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. But to really, to really see what God wants to do in our lives and our life as a church, we have to seek Him first. 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 First.